When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is in partnership with Gloss Genius. Made for salons and spas, Gloss Genius is the only business management and payments platform that makes it easy to grow revenue and enhance the client experience, which we are all about here on The Treatment Room. From a beautiful online booking site to powerful marketing tools and low payment processing rates, Gloss Genius empowers you to run your full salon or spa in a stylish and smart way while feeling supported at every step. For 50% off for two months, go to glossgenius.com slash signup and enter code TTRSPRING or check the show notes for details. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast with me, your host, Tessa Zolli, licensed esthetician. So today we're going to talk all about acne and we're going to continue our conversation about acne. If you tuned in last week, I did an episode on acne and it was kind of my part one to some more conversations to come because there are really so many side conversations within different topics about acne. So that's why I'm kind of divvying this up and we'll be just releasing, you know, maybe, I don't know how long this episode is going to be, but somewhere between... 30, 40 minutes so that you kind of get a good little snippet and then you can tune in the next week and learn more. But if you haven't listened to last week's episode called the ABC O's of acne, I highly recommend you go back because it's just a good starting point for what is really triggering that impaction which we know starts in the follicle. And little pop quiz, if you did listen last week, you know what those letters stand for. A stands for androgen, B bacteria, specifically P acne bacteria, C stands for dead skin cells, and O stands for oil. So I go into those a little bit more in that first episode. And those are important to understand are the prerequisites for acne. They are all at play when we are looking at an acne lesion or the condition as a whole. Today, I want to talk a little bit more about some factors, specifically lifestyle factors that can exacerbate acne or make it worse. And I do wanna clarify, I think, you know, a misconception people have about acne is that there's just one thing that's kind of the problem and people put it on themselves to be on this mission to quote unquote, solve it, figure it out, find that one thing that is the problem. And although I wish it was that easy, most often we're talking, when we're talking about different acne cases, 
And so far, like most of the people I see, it's multifactorial. There's so many different things overlapping. Somebody could have five to 10 or more acne triggers going on at once. And that's where estheticians come in. You know, we are so valuable because this is work I don't see happening, you know, with other professions necessarily. And it's so important, like scientifically, we have data that these factors affect acne. So it's silly. They don't get you know, always addressed properly in a clinical setting. But these are important things to consider with an acne client. And I think this episode would actually be very helpful to anyone struggling with acne. And sometimes I know your clients might hear something from you, but sometimes just to get reinforcement from another professional can be really helpful. And These things we're going to be talking about, they're not always easy changes at all. And I would also encourage estheticians to have empathy and understand it may take some patience to, for one, suggest, you know, somebody make changes in their lifestyle. And it takes time for the client to kind of process that, consider it think about it, and then start to make some positive changes and then maintain those changes. Another good episode is my motivational interviewing episode where I talked about how you can start these conversations with clients, how even if something seems impossible to your client, even if their immediate response is, no, I can't change that, there are ways for somebody to slowly start making small changes. It doesn't have to be, you know, a 180 overnight. And I think the professional has to understand that too. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into factors that can really make acne worse. Let's start with the big one. This is the number one aggravator for acne. And unfortunately, it is often the most overlooked when it comes to acne. It's a big problem in America, especially. And that is stress. Stress is a big driver of acne. It activates the adrenal gland to produce more hormones, which eventually results in more acne flare-ups. Now, you know, stress is something that's always going to be there. It's not a problem we need to solve, but I do like to have a conversation with my clients about their lifestyle, about their quality of life, even asking how they would rate their stress one to 10 can be a a really powerful reflection moment for the client. And, you know, if they say out loud, my stress level is an eight, you know, I think somebody has a little moment with themselves and realizes that's not necessarily good. And, you know, it might be a moment where they realize something in their life needs to change. And there can be a lot of factors that are not going to immediately change for the client that can be highly stressful. You know, definitely big life events like having a baby or getting married or a stressful home life or a stressful relationship, a stressful job. Those things may not change immediately, but the key word is managing the stress. And 
I am always so surprised and saddened by how many clients I talk to who aren't actively managing their stress and they wouldn't say they necessarily have tools for managing it. And that's the key. It has to be managed. And it's really about embedding stress management in the routine and making it kind of a non-negotiable, like a promise with yourself. And I do like to suggest certain certain ideas, ways to manage stress. Some of those might be yoga or meditation, deep breathing, those kinds of slower activities. I think a lot of people will say, you know, my workout is a stress, stress relief, hit workouts or going on a run. And yes, although those things are a big complement to a healthy lifestyle, I also think those activities that are a little bit more inward, where it's true time with yourself, where you are forced to slow down, I think those are a a big thing. And I would really encourage the client to, or the individual, if you're listening for yourself, to think about one of those activities, or it could be something else that feels good to you, because there's nothing worse than it feeling like a chore or something that you have to do. It should be more of a, I get to do this and this is time for myself. I spend the whole day working or helping other people. This is time that is specifically for myself. And I did want to say stress, unfortunately, is even a bigger problem for acne prone women especially those dealing with hormonal breakouts. And that's a big question I get, which is how do you treat hormonal acne? And while there's definitely much we can do topically, a big piece of that conversation happens internally. And a big piece of of treating the hormonal acne is really working on the stress, possibly identifying where a lot of it comes from, maybe looking at certain habits and thinking about what could help. Maybe it's therapy for somebody else, but that is so hugely important. And I know it's probably not the answer somebody wants to hear when they're wanting to treat their hormonal acne because sometimes that inner work is harder than buying a topical product. And this is where I think, you know, the best treatment plans are really holistic and look at the whole person and can also involve some level of treating stress that is affecting the skin. So stress is more of a problem for women, especially acne-prone women and those who struggle with more cystic jawline breakouts. So I get the question, how do you treat hormonal acne a lot? And it's a very multifaceted question. Of course, we do want to treat the acne topically, but there's also this big component of needing to address the stress in somebody's life. And there's a true reason to that. I know it's always a little bit unsatisfying when somebody says, just manage your stress. That's how you treat the hormonal acne. It's not the full answer, but it's a big part of it. And the reason why is that 
women produce their male hormones in their adrenal glands. These are really powerfully stimulated when under stress. And this is what can eventually result in those acne flare-ups. Men are a little bit luckier. They produce most of their male hormone in their testes and only a small amount in the adrenal gland. So for this reason, women are more sensitive to that stimulation, and that's where you can see those jawline breakouts in those areas that we contend to produce more oil, have a larger pore size, and that are more easily affected by those adrenal glands. Something that's also important to know is that Stress is capable of creating a very delayed type of breakout response. So somebody might not immediately connect a stressful event and their acne because the delay can be between 14 days to three months. And when, you know, that reaction isn't immediate, sometimes people don't necessarily connect the dots or they might connect it to something else that happened really recently. So you may want to educate your clients that that breakout and that stress response can be delayed. I also do like to talk about the timing of an acne breakout and see if there was a correlation of the breakouts to some big major life event. I noticed this, you know, definitely can happen with certain people who will say there was a big disruption in their life around that time they had the breakout. And lastly, the third way in which stress can affect acne is it really lowers the immune system and we need that optimized in order to heal. The second factor at play is sunlight. So I know a lot of SDs are passionate about this, but the sun can actually be one of the worst things for your acne. And I know there's been this long-standing myth that the sun you know, can heal your acne, can just dry it up. And it's just the answer to all of your problems. And I think because it is part of nature, it does get easily romanticized. But there is a reason, you know, most acne boot camps, including mine, will have you please avoid tanning, not only because we're going to be using active ingredients, but because it will literally perpetuate that inflammation. And one of the things that happens when an acne sufferer is getting a lot of sun, whether it's intentional, whether they're going out tanning to somehow hopefully treat their acne, or if it's just incidental, they spend a lot of time outdoors, what happens is this really dries out the skin. And the acne sufferer might perceive this as a positive thing. I hear this a lot that, you know, somebody's skin just feels really clear after they spend a lot of time in the sun. And although this is temporarily drying up the oil so you might feel clear, over time, this just signals an overproduction of oil. The skin is very intelligent and it knows how to compensate for that lack of oil. So what you have is a dry layer, a dry outer layer of dead skin cell buildup, and then you have oil, especially more oil being produced than normal, that's getting trapped underneath that hard layer of surface dryness. That's when you often will notice more breakouts. And the other issue with that is if the skin is really compromised, really dry, somebody's getting a lot of sun, it's very difficult to extract 
that kind of impaction, then we need to work on softening the skin and putting you on more home care to hopefully eventually get that impaction out. I don't know if people know this, but there is also a specific type of acne called acne majorca, which is actually caused by sunlight for the reason I just mentioned. It's that signaling to produce more oil, which we know is fuel to the acne flame. In addition to actually provoking acne and and just spurring more acne, there are the conversations about potentially getting skin cancer, prematurely aging your skin, um, inciting rosacea, which is something that happened to me. A big trigger for rosacea is sun damage, cumulative sun damage. That's why you can see rosacea oftentimes in people as they hit 30 or 40. It's because it does catch up with you. That inflammation is stored. The body really does keep score. And lastly, of course, hyperpigmentation, which is caused by the sun. This really breaks my heart when somebody's number one concern with their skin is their hyperpigmentation or PIH, or as a lot of people call it, acne scars. Sometimes it's just pigmentation. And at the same time, these are oftentimes the same people who aren't great with their sun protection. And this is also a good time to bring up, it's not enough to just put your sunscreen on in the morning. I think a lot of people are hopping on that train now, which is amazing, but it's the reapplication that we really need to understand. Our skin is not protected by windows, so even if you're just sitting at home, you need to reapply. You need to reapply throughout the day. So if you leave the house for work or anytime you leave the house, you should always be bringing something with you. And I think also for for estheticians, offering SPFs that are easy for somebody to apply on the go is really, really important to protect that investment, protect the gold, protect your client, and ensure they are properly protecting their skin. And also for the esthetician to ask questions about sun exposure. You know, you definitely want to ask if somebody puts it on in the morning, but you also want to ask if somebody's reapplying because that's often where you'll find is kind of like the missing link. And that's so important. We know most sunscreens don't last more than two hours. So by the time afternoon rolls around, or if somebody's only put sunscreen on in the morning and they're driving home at five o'clock, that sunscreen is ineffective. It's not working for you anymore. So that reapplication is key. Also remembering there's no sunscreen that is going to protect 100%. So physical blockers are also a really great tool, especially for those who are spending a lot of time outdoors, especially in the summertime, especially in those peak hours during the middle of the day when the sun is out and it's strong. So loose fitting hats, even driving gloves. Um, There is a really amazing UPF brand that I like. I will link it in the show notes. I am blanking on the name. It starts with a C, but I will link it below. It's a great brand for little 
um, clothing items that also have sun protection in them. So having, you know, some things like that are a really good idea. Having a big wide brim hat will really take you a long way. It's probably like the best $30 you can invest in yourself. You can wear it when you're driving, when you're going for a walk, whatever you're doing. So I think that's a really important piece of sun protection too. And also reiterating if somebody is on certain actives, it may make them photosensitive and stressing to those clients who want to treat their acne scars or who want to treat anything, clients you're putting on more active products, they must be on a sunscreen and they need to really commit to wearing it and commit to reapplication. Lastly, I'll just highlight tanning. And even if this resonates with one person who will thank me later in life, I really think it's worth it. And trust me, I do not sit on any high horse when I say this because I had years of tanning, sun damage. I really thought being tan was like top of my list, big priority when I was younger. And unfortunately, again, the body keeps score. All of that damage is cumulative and it comes out later. It all comes to the surface. And most of what we see later in life, as far as our aging concerns or pigmentation concerns, most of that happens due to that cumulative sun exposure. And, you know, it's tough because I had friends at the time and, you know, my mom would tell me not to tan, even not to go in tanning beds, which I did when I was in college. One of my biggest regrets in life. And unfortunately, I can't take it back. And it is a bummer because our education about the sun was nowhere near where it is today. But unfortunately, I spent so much time under the sun when I was younger, and that's something I have to pray doesn't come back to bite me later on in life. But, you know, I'm a, a straight up fits 1.5, very freckly, very fair, strawberry blonde hair, light eyes, and of course, sun protection is important for all Fitzpatrick types. But yeah, I really had no place um, going in tanning beds or tanning. And it seems like a such a fun, cool, harmless, normalized thing to just spend your summer trying to get tan. And yeah, it's, it's something that really affects our skin in so many ways. Again, my aggravating acne, prolonging any pigmentation, bringing on those early signs of damage and aging much earlier than you would naturally have to face. And lastly, the sun damages our Langerhans cells, which is the first line of defense for our body. So this ultimately compromises the immune system, which we need in place, especially for the resolution of acne. You know, skin cancer and fine lines and wrinkles, they seem so far away when you're young, which is why I say this now, because if there's one thing I could go back and change of my younger self doing, it's like not so much the mistakes I made or, you know, having fun, this or that, but tanning is something 
I really wish I could take back. That is truly a big regret in life for me. And I'm a Fitz 1.5. Really anyone is at risk for skin cancer, but I had no business in tanning beds or tanning. And I, I think I really just wanted to be like everyone else and get tan. And it made me feel good. But just know the body does keep score. That damage comes back to haunt you later in life. And I do have to spend a lot of my money on microneedling, a laser for my rosacea, on Botox, because I am bothered by fine lines and wrinkles. Um, so it's just something, you know, it may seem so far away to you now, or you may not make the connection with the sun and breakouts because Temporarily, it might feel like things get better before it gets worse, but there are real ramifications for the sun damage. And I just want to throw the idea out there that you don't have to tan. There are great products where you can get a sunless tan from a bottle that'll be much, much better for you long term. And I just wanted to say that in case it resonates with one person, because I really wish. I would have heard that message and had it been from somebody educated rather than just a friend or my mom, who of course respect them, but I really didn't take what they said seriously. I truly wish I would have heard that from a skin professional and understood it could be responsible for a lot of very real things that could happen later in life. The next one is really interesting. And that is that our hormones actually can change with the seasons. Very, very interesting. Our acne flares up in the fall. Maybe this is a reason Estes get busier in the fall. It's a direct result of androgen levels reaching their peak during this time. We know that testosterone levels are at their highest in October and their lowest in May. And this fluctuation of hormones is triggered by the changing of the day lengths. So when we have shorter days, when it gets dark earlier, this actually has an effect on our hormones. So another reason to make sure you know, you're still going outside protected with a hat, but getting a little UV light in the day while protected can actually be beneficial for your hormones. And that is more difficult for those who live in places where it gets really, really cold and dark in the fall and winter. We're definitely spoiled here in California. But if it is still possible to go for a walk around the block, something to that effect, it can can actually be really, really helpful. Next on my list is climate. So acne can be very reactive to hot, humid weather. And I think I have an interesting perspective on this since I see clients from all over the country. And it is more prevalent in those places where it's really, really hot and humid. This does incite the swelling of the stratum corneum, and we know it can swell up to 300%. We know when the skin becomes swollen, the theory is that this pressure from the swelling leads to a breakdown in the follicle. And something that's also important to know is that steam rooms, saunas, hot tubs can all be 
a negative force for an acne client. So this is something, you know, in my acne bootcamp, I really have my clients consider and, you know, it might be a topic to ask your acne clients if they go in hot tubs, steam rooms, saunas, because a lot of people think they're helping their acne by, you know, as somebody might say, detoxing in the sauna by sweating a lot, but this can actually promote that swelling of the skin and it can also promote activating those sebaceous glands. So it can be actually pretty detrimental. Hot showers, I notice, is another thing and <laughs> I get it because a hot shower can feel very therapeutic, but what I do suggest is keeping shorter showers in mind and always turning down the dial, especially when you are washing or rinsing your face. That's another added layer of just drying out the skin that can lead to surface dryness and acne. But we also don't want our clients taking really long, hot showers or baths, especially if their main goal is clearing the skin. It doesn't mean, you know, they can never have those things, but I would not make it a habit or, you know, a twice daily type of habit. I also am a big advocate for cold therapy and using something like a cold, cold roller after a shower, bath, or any type of heat exposure. We also know there is a actual form of acne called tropical acne that exists in these really hot, humid conditions. I've seen this a lot with clients in Florida or on the East Coast, and specifically one client who noticed, you know, she goes to school in Boston, and when she goes home to Florida every summer, that's when we have to really be proactive with her routine and have those actives in place to manage the condition because she always notices when she goes back home that's when the acne really can flare. I'm going to cover one more and then just cut this off so it doesn't get too long and we'll continue in next week's episode. The last factor that exacerbates acne is pressure and friction. So if you are familiar with mask knee or breakouts from wearing the mask, that is a form of acne mechanica, and this is caused by pressure and friction. So this can happen in a variety of ways. It can happen, for example, with a client who's always holding their phone up to their cheek, Maybe they're a receptionist or they have a job where their job is to literally hold a phone to their cheek. You might also notice it in athletes who wear a lot of helmets or hats, headbands, things like that. I have also noticed a pattern and I'm so nosy, but sometimes I notice this on influencers who wear the Beats headphones while working out and there's no judgment because I do it too. I wear them sometimes, but I'm also very aware of the risk of doing that. And maybe somebody else doesn't know because when you are wearing those headphones, they're putting pressure on the earlobes and it kind of extends to like around the ear and the neck as well, because there's like that leather or whatever that material is. It's like a fake leather. 
that's occluding the ear. And every time I take off these headphones, whether I've worked out or not, there's like a thin layer of sweat. And that's an area you definitely want to treat. So I always use an active cleanser if I have worked out wearing them. And I go straight to the shower after the workout and I'll only wear these like once every couple of weeks because I bought them, but I don't wear them every day because it is a little bit more risky. So anything that, you know, rubs, constricts, exerts prolonged pressure, heats up the skin, or gets the skin sweaty and moist. That is the ideal irritant for acne. Acne loves that heat and that humidity, that bacteria. So you want to be aware of anything like that. And something I also thought of was sleep masks. So I'm somebody who always sleeps with a sleep mask. And, you know, I think depending on the person, it can be okay. If I was struggling with forehead breakouts or breakouts in that area, maybe even across the nose where a lot of us can get blackheads, it's something I would consider. And it's something as the esthetician, you want to really look at the client and look at the areas where they are breaking out. If you notice a pattern, you could ask if, you know, the client is wearing anything or to even ask them to think about, is there anything you wear on that area? I had a client last week who came to me with a big cyst that doesn't normally happen in the eye area because we don't produce much oil there at all. But she is a nurse and she wears a mask every single day that actually goes up to the eye area. And she was able to develop a bigger cyst from just nonstop pressure and friction of the mask, especially on an acne prone Person. So any kind of fabric, even again, even if it's a silk sleeping mask, although it's probably a more ideal material, it's still that friction, pressure, and creating an enclosed, humid environment, which is where acne thrives. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap things up here. I really hope you liked this episode and found it educational. If you did, please let me know by sharing on stories, subscribing to the show, and passing this episode along to a friend or a colleague or a family member that really supports me and helps others to find this information as well. I thank you so much for listening and tuning in. I know there are so many shows out there, so I really appreciate that you took the time to listen to this one and make it to the end. Don't forget, you can find me on social media at MySDTessa on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, as well as YouTube under Tess Zolly. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll be back next week for part three of the acne conversation.